Cynthia A. Thomas is a licensed counselor in the state of Maine. She is also licensed and ordained with the International Church of Foursquare Gospel. Cynthia's teaching is focused on ordinary people learning an extraordinary way of loving God and loving others. Where church isn't a building, it's people learning together and encouraging each other to follow the teaching of Jesus. Thanks for joining today, and now here is Cindy with today's focus. continuing in the Teach Us to Pray series looking at the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, which we call the Lord's Prayer. Let's look at our text, Matthew 6, starting with verse 9. Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Today we are looking at verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First of all, let's look at this word temptation and see where else this word is used in the New Testament. That will give us an idea of what this word is actually talking about. Remember we spoke in the very first part of this series that understanding scripture from the perspective of the original language and the culture it was given in is very important to understanding the true meaning of what we are reading. The Strong's Concordance tells us this Greek word is perasmos, P-E-I-R-A-S-M-O-S. As I studied this anew for this podcast, I gave a deep sigh as I totally understand why some people can get confused when they read some passages of the Bible. I've talked about this translation challenge in other podcasts, but it's worth addressing again here. When we talk about the inerrant Word of God, We are saying that the Word of God is incapable of being wrong in its message. However, we are also talking about the Word God gave in the language of the Jewish people of the times and in context of the Jewish culture of the times. When a Jewish person heard that word, what would they have thought it meant based on their understanding of their own language, in their own culture, in the time of history in which it was given. Why is that important for us to understand? Like I said in the podcast, Teach Us to Pray, Our Father in Heaven, in order to totally understand original scripture, we must understand the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek languages and the culture the writings were given in when God gave them. This is precisely why so many translations of the Bible exist. The truth is that the Jewish documents cannot be translated into English word for word because our languages are not set up the same way and we don't even have words for some things that are said. So a word from the ancient writings might be translated into a sentence or sometimes a paragraph in order for us to understand context. And that's not just for for the English language. This is a challenge in translating into different languages, period. Because of that, when thinking about the English language, 
different sets of very good scholars translate texts slightly differently, which is why we have so many translations out there. Our challenge is to choose Bibles from reputable translating teams and to read four or five translations of Scripture in order to try to get a more complete understanding of the context and meaning of any given passage. And of course, we have to press into our teacher, the Holy Spirit, to guide us in our studies. We should not panic if we think our version has some inconsistencies. We need to understand issues around reading translations. If you want to understand more of this, I recommend you read the book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. It is an academically focused book that was recommended to me when I took a class at Gordon-Conwell, and it helps us understand the challenges of reading translations and the Bible as a whole. They also wrote another book called How to Read the Bible Book by Book, which might be very helpful. In addition to those resources, you can explore books by author Lois Verberg, T-V-E-R-B-E-R-G. Yes, that's Jewish. <laughs> she tries to help us understand what a Jewish person of that time period would have thought when they heard the things Jesus taught. She has several informative books she's written that are easy to read. So there's a, a few good sources you can explore. Studies show how amazing the consistency of the Bible actually is. Having been written over 40 different writers from all socioeconomic positions in life and over a time span of 2,000 years, in fact, when the Bible manuscripts are studied for authenticity against other ancient writings of our world, the Bible is significantly more reliable in the integrity of being transcribed correctly and passed on over the centuries than any other manuscript in history. I find that astounding. If you want to study more about this, one of the books you can read is Evidence That Dem Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I think it's absolutely amazing and reassuring that even though there are so many reputable translations into English, that the main points of scripture remain intact. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is God the Son, sent to earth to pay the price for redeeming his creation that had come, become separated from him because of the fall in the garden. Jesus was born of a virgin in fulfillment of scripture. Jesus suffered, died on the cross, and rose again in payment of that price to redeem humanity. And Jesus is coming back for his church. Hallelujah! <laughs> there are so many big picture things that all good translations agree on. So we should not panic about perceived differences. Let's face it. The message of scripture is for everyone, but the language and times it was written in did not come from the Western culture. We need to remember that. Okay, let's look at this word that has been translated temptation. Some other scriptures where the same Greek word is used are as follows. 
Luke 22, beginning in verse 45. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That was Jesus speaking in Gethsemane. From Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus again speaking, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here we see that we are called to pray so that we do not enter into or act upon things that tempt us. Jesus comes right out and warns against the feelings of our fallen flesh nature, acknowledging that even though our spirit is willing, our flesh is weak. Prayer is sowing to the spirit, and to sow to the spirit is the place of increasing the power of our own spirit in union with God's spirit to have dominion over our flesh. Galatians 6, 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What we feed grows. We must feed our spirit by drawing close to God's Spirit. The best way to do that is through communion with God on many levels. That's called prayer. <laughs> if you're not sure what I mean by on many levels, go back to the first podcast in this series, which is simply titled, Teach Us to Pray, and hopefully you'll understand what I mean by this. Luke 4.13 And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until the opportune time. Here we see that the devil is an instigator of temptation. This is the story about Jesus in the desert of temptation right after the baptism. We also see here that the devil instigates by recognizing what flesh nature might be vulnerable and attacking there. Think about the desert temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4. The first temptation was toward the fleshly human need and desire for food. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and I have no doubt that his flesh nature was craving food. The second temptation was toward the fleshly human nature to prove you're someone important. Satan was trying to chip away at Jesus' identity in the Father by saying at the beginning of the first two temptations, if you are the Son of God. <laughs> the second temptation he gave Jesus was kind of like the games I've often seen children play to goad one another into an action. You know, those games that start out, I dare you to, as the challenge is set forth, questioning another's bravery and worth. The third temptation was toward the fleshly human nature for power, fame, and fortune. That desire can be very strong sometimes. If you just worship me, Satan says to Jesus, 
I will give you all these kingdoms and their glory, and you don't even have to fight me for it. That will make things on this earth so much easier, won't it? No war, I'll just give it to you. There's only one tiny little condition. Worship me. Of course, that's Pastor Cindy paraphrase. <laughs> but that's the idea Satan was presenting. We have the power of choice. And we cannot hide behind the old, ad old adage, oh, the devil made me do it. However, we have to have a real respect for the condition of our fallen flesh nature and how important it is that that nature be put under the dominion of our God in Christ. And we need to sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. The satanic kingdom has been studying humanity for a long time. And they quite likely have an Ephesians 6.11 strategy in operation that has been watching and observing each one of us since we were born. They are a better judge and understanding of our psychology and our fallen flesh nature than any therapist today could ever be. They've been around studying humanity a lot longer than any of us have. They know how to set up those insidious, potentially dangerous circumstances in our lives and when to send out those Ephesians 6.16 fiery arrows targeting our fleshly weakness. And they do their job well, people. This truth is not for us to be afraid of, however. For scripture tells us over and over again that greater is God in us than this enemy in the world. However, it is critical for our own well-being and for the effectiveness of our ministry to others to keep our lives under the dominion of Christ and daily be actively sowing to the spirit and not to the flesh. We must daily eat of the bread of heaven that feeds our spirit. Give us this day our daily bread, we are told to pray. What we feed grows stronger. Are we feeding spirit or flesh becomes the question. If you want to study more about spiritual warfare in the Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 armor of God, you can go to my podcast and there is a whole series on this subject. It starts with the title, What is Spiritual Warfare? So here we are in this passage of the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, asking, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Temptations come through various avenues, but any temptation coming our way is targeting our flesh nature, and the temptation is to act in a way that's opposite of God's word or anti-Christ. The satanic kingdom is working to have things done on earth not as it is in heaven, but as it is the will of the satanic realm within the mystery of lawlessness already at work in the world, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and within the antichrist spirit that is already at work in the world and does not acknowledge Jesus, 1 John chapter 4. 
There is a spiritual war going on between the kingdom of our God in Christ and the organized, active rebellion of the satanic realm. If we pretend that's not true, it will be to our own detriment. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Then we are told in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How did Christ come against Satan in the desert of temptation? He didn't physically fight Satan for anything. He fought with the word. It is written, he said again and again. The word is the authority of God. Do we fight with the word when we come to a time of temptation and trial in life? 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that though we need to deal with this flesh we're walking around in on the earth, it is not the flesh that we fight. Our weapons are not flesh either, we're told. However, it tells us the weapons of our warfare do have divine power to destroy satanic strongholds. And what does verse 5 seem to tell us is the key? Making sure our thoughts are in alignment with God's way of thinking, with God's word. Our warfare starts with how we think. And verse 5 tells us we have to take every thought captive to obey Christ. We need to be aware of how we think about everything. In fact, we are told in Romans 12, too, that we need to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We need to be daily renewed to the way God thinks about things. Do we realize that is part of spiritual warfare? Because it is. When we are born again of the Spirit of God, John chapter 3, by receiving Jesus Christ into our lives to serve and follow Him, the Spirit of God comes into our spirit and mixes with our human spirit that's been separated in the Garden of Eden, and it makes us new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 When we are born again, we now have Christ in us the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. And with that, we are told in 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 
The fullness of God is within us at the new creation. And it is our job to press in and align our lives with Jesus and his way of thinking from his eternity perspective, a perspective that only he has. Therefore, we go back to the part of the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Only with a dedication to follow Jesus daily as his disciples, in relationship with him, can we even hope to grow from glory to glory toward the likeness and the mindset of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Is this puzzle coming together for you at all? I know this seems to be a bunch of pieces to consider, but they all fit together. And the only way to see the big picture is to see it from the spirit realm perspective of the living and written word of God. We must press into Jesus to hear our shepherd clearly so that we may follow him. How many times does the scripture tell us, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. I regularly pray a prayer from Isaiah 50 verse 4. Part of it being, I pray, Dear Heavenly Father, awaken me morning by morning. Awaken my ear to hear as those who are taught of the Lord. I crave the renewed mind that is in line with the mind of my precious Savior and King Jesus Christ. I know that his ways are higher than my ways. I know that the thoughts of God are not the thoughts of my fallen flesh nature. Isaiah 55, 8. I know that it is not by my own wisdom, logic, or works that I will grow from glory to glory toward his likeness, reflecting the image of my God. But I will grow by pressing in and acknowledging God in all my ways. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33. Zechariah 4, 6 tells us it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Sometimes Christians do not take the spirit realm of our existence seriously. We sometimes totally focus our lives on the physical realm of life and don't really consider the spiritual. And yet, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we see from scripture a decidedly spiritual focus in this request. That thought in and of itself often takes, takes a significant renewing of our minds. We need the Holy Spirit's help and teaching to train us to think in terms of the mind of Christ, the Word of God, and to learn to fight with the Word just like Jesus modeled that for us in the desert of temptation. It is written. Jesus answered every time Satan sent forth his fiery arrows of strategic temptation. How do we answer in those times when the fury of this fallen world at war with the enemy of God comes smashing down 
pressing down upon us. And believe me, we will surely have times of trials and temptations here on this earth. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> we go through tough times in this earthly existence all the time. But even in all the Psalms 23 valleys of shadows we may walk through, God is with us to help us walk as overcomers in this world. We are overcomers because when we are born again, we have Christ in us. That precious treasure of the Spirit of God is within these earthen vessels of flesh, and the power we have access to belongs to God and not us. Therefore, we wield that power only by the Spirit of the living God which is in us. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 7-9 through 9, that we are often afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are frequently perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We may be persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We may even be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because greater is God in us than his enemy who is in this world. 1 John 4, 4. And because the peace and power we have is not as the world gives, John 14, 27. It is as Jesus gives, when our minds stay focused on him, Isaiah 26, 3. And we use the weapons of his spirit realm, which he tells us are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds against God and his people. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I have more to tell you on this subject, but for this podcast I will stop here and we will continue this part of the prayer Jesus taught us to pray in the next podcast. So stay tuned everyone and keep on keeping on in Jesus. Till next time. And that concludes today's segment. We hope to see you next time as you learn the extraordinary ways of loving God and others.